Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast in which we talk about topics that help churches and ministries protect what God has called them to lead. I'm Marielle, and on today's episode, we will be talking about creating a culture of generosity in local churches with John Bennett. John is a communicator, leadership coach, and senior level generosity strategist. He has worked with some of the fastest growing and most dynamic churches and ministries in America. He has decades of experience partnering with dynamic leaders to raise millions of dollars towards everything from building expansions to outreach programs on college campuses. John, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, I appreciate it, Marielle. Yeah, I have such a respect and love for Star Church, and so really been looking forward to today and honored to be on the podcast. Well, we're so honored to have you, and um, we just wanted to go ahead and get started and ask you, you know, for our listeners, will you share a little bit about your background and how you came to be a senior generosity strategist? Yeah, I think what's kind of relevant to that story for today's podcast is uh, it goes all the way back to my college days. I had a radical encounter with Jesus back in college. I I would say I was kind of like a casual believer and I went to a radical follower. (laughs) Wow. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't get enough of just finding the next Bible study or church service or Christian meeting and really start growing in my faith at a pretty strong uh, pace and, you know, hit the short-term mission trip stuff in the summertime. And so when I got to the end of my senior year, I really felt God was calling me to full-time Christian uh, campus ministry which was the biggest shock to my family because that would have been the last thing they would expect me to do. You know, when I entered college as a freshman, you know, here I am now as a senior, I want to be a minister. And uh, in, in campus ministry, it works a little bit different than a church. You actually have to raise your own financial support to be able to be a minister. So right. I went to my campus minister supervisor at the time and I'm like, okay, man, I, I'm fired up about the ministry part, but I'm terrified of fundraising. You know, h- how do you do that? And the guy's like, oh, dude, dude, that's easy. There's only three things you got to know about fundraising. Uh, Number one, find some people that love you. Uh, Number two, ask them for money. And number three, may the force be with you. You know, that that was kind of it. You know, that was the extent of my training to be a campus minister. And so it took me about two weeks to realize nobody loved me because nobody was giving me money. And uh, it took me about another week to realize the force wasn't with me. So, I mean, I was just miserable. And that went on for several months. I was kind of going hand to mouth and I was really probably ready to quit uh, the ministry. And I got invited to a training down in Dallas, Texas with about a hundred plus people just like me. They were campus ministers, but kind of struggling. So I went down to Dallas, probably had to borrow money to do that. I don't recall, but uh, I went through a three day fundraising, training, and coaching. And all I can tell you, Mario, that I came out on the other side and I felt like I got born again, again, you know? I mean, it so impacted my life so much so that six months later, I was fully funded in my ministry. I was engaged to my now wife of almost 33 years and life was good. And so I spent the next couple of decades from 85 to 2005 in some kind of pastoral role, college campuses for about 10 years, 
which I love. And then I was an associate pastor at a mega church here in Atlanta for about five years. And then I planted a church. So I was a lead pastor for five years. And then in 2005, it was a real pivotal year for me. I had this kind of epiphany that I realized I love coaching leaders and I'm really a better coach than I am a player, so to speak, when it comes to the ministry. And really what my, my heart was, I wanted to help other leaders fully fund the vision God had called them to do. So I took off from the church we had planted. We turned it over to a different pastor and I went into the role I'm in now. So for the past 15 years, I've been coaching faith-based nonprofits and churches and how to fully fund uh, the vision that God's given them. Wow, that's an incredible story, John, just how you came to where you are today. Um, and I know that this topic of, uh, even as you started sharing about, you know, your, your early days and starting to feel called to ministry and yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the challenges of fundraising, I know that that's a roadblock that a lot of different leaders have that feel called to the ministry, um, you know, and, and at Star Church, that's what we hear, you know, how am I yeah. going to do this thing that God's calling me to do because you need finances to do ministry. Um, and so I just would love to dive more into this topic and, and ask you, you know, what is a culture of generosity and what does that look like in the local church? Yeah, that's a great question because it really is a little bit of a delineation between, let's say, fundraising and developing a culture of generosity. A lot of these terms are thrown out, stewardship, generosity, fundraising. Do they all mean the same thing? Are they kind of different? And so I think just kind of defining terms up front may be helpful for the audience. So when I think about a phrase like developing a culture of generosity in a local church, I mean, maybe I should just tell uh, talk a little bit about what it's not before you kind of define what it is. Sometimes sure. that's a little simpler to understand it. So the first thing I would say is that generosity is really not about outputs or percentages. So in other words, if I give 5% of my income away, am I generous now? Or if I give 45% of my income away, does that make me generous. And I don't really think there's a scorecard when it comes to generosity. I think it's great if you can give a percentage of your income away to a good cause. I think that's really good. But I don't really think that's what building a culture of generosity is about, is about developing a scorecard. You probably remember the story in Luke 18, where Jesus said, two men go to the temple. One is a sinner, and he humbles himself, and he walks away justified. The other one is a Pharisee, and he says this is kind of interesting. In Luke 18, 12, he says, I fast twice a week. That's pretty impressive. And then he says, I give away 10% of everything I get. So if you're looking at the scorecard, you're like, the Pharisee dude, he, he, he's, he kind of gets it. You know, he, he must be generous, but Jesus said he wasn't actually justified when he left the temple. And so I think the first thing we got is to decide, I don't think there's a scorecard. Second thing I would say is that generosity is not giving everything away. Cause I think sometimes that's a little bit of a hindrance or a roadblock. Does that mean, you know, God just, you know, wants me to give everything away all the time. Well, obviously that's not true. He wants you to live in a home and have a car and have a job and take a vacation, those kinds of things. In fact, Jesus only talked about giving everything away two times. One time was the widow who gave away two cents or two mites, and he said she's given everything she had, and he praised her for it. The other one was the rich young ruler who he challenged to give away everything he had, and he chose not to because money was an idol in his heart. But if you really study the New Testament, you realize pretty quickly God is not giving you or I 
a directive to give everything away. Now, does he tell some people to do that? Yeah, I'm sure he does. I've heard stories like that, but that's really not what generosity is. I think generosity is more of a journey. In other words, you know, I'm born selfish, you know, and hopefully I come to Christ. But the fact of the matter is, even when I became a Christian, I was still pretty selfish, you know. And so I'm growing in this journey of generosity. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus in terms of how I live my life. Can I leverage my time? Can I leverage my energy? Can I leverage my money to continue to let the kingdom of God grow? Probably the best word picture I have, uh, Marielle, is this uh, event I attended a few years ago, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. It's called a JOG event. It's put on by Generous Giving. And JOG is an acronym. means Journey of Generosity. And it's literally just getting away for 24 hours at overnight like at a hotel resort. And we took about 20 of us, uh, you know, husbands and wives away to this event. And literally for 24 hours, we just talked about what does generosity mean? And what was so impactful about the event, it wasn't critical, it wasn't judgmental, nobody was in each other's face, there was no preaching, so to speak. There was teaching and some video stuff we were watching, but primarily it was just an environment where we could get really honest about what our journey of generosity looked like. And I still remember at the end of the event, there was a guy named Bob there who was, uh, had done very well. In fact, he still does very well in his business. And he just broke down and cried at the very end and had an aha moment that, you know what, God was calling him to be even more generous. And I remember it being so touchy because nobody challenged Bob. Nobody was in his face. Nobody was talking to him. Hey, man, you make a lot of money. Why are you giving more? You know, it was just like him and the Holy Spirit having this moment. And I thought, you know what, that's what a culture of generosity should look like. Wow. That's so incredible. Um, so, John, just even diving even more into this topic, I know you referenced a couple times in scripture um, that referred to giving it all away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we um, talk a little bit more about some biblical principles that help to define um, and, def and to further develop a culture of generosity in the church, just from your experience, what you've seen and what you've learned? Yeah, again, excellent way to tee that up. You know, I think there probably are many principles. I can highlight maybe just a couple of them that may be helpful. The first one I would say is the principle of first and best, first and best. Now, you think way back in Genesis chapter four when Cain kills Abel. So before there was a killing story, there was actually a giving story, right? <laughs> so... Cain, he brings basically the leftovers. Abel brings his first and his best to the Lord. And I think a principle is established there in Scripture to say that one of the ways we grow in generosity is to embrace this principle of first and best. And so when you think about the New Testament, you know, Matthew 6.33, for example, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. The idea is to live with that first and best mindset. I remember way back in my first year of marriage, you know, we had barely had any money and we moved into this little apartment and, you know, my wife and I were all excited. And I remember sitting down with a checkbook. Does anybody remember what a checkbook is anymore? <laughs> and, you know, with a check ledger and I'm trying to add this thing up and I got this pile of bills in front of me. And I remember writing out these checks to pay all these little bills. And I got to the end and I really had very little money left. And so I got up and I, as a, a young husband, I made the mistake, probably actually it was God's grace. I turned around and told my young wife, well, I got all the bills paid. That's the good news. I guess I'll have to wait to give to the church till next month. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, 
that's not right. You know, we should be giving our first to God. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who did I marry? And so, you know, our first marital spat broke out, you know, and I was getting defensive. But at the end of the day, she was 100% right. I was 100% convicted that my goal really should be giving my first and my best. And, and to by our, hopefully our best efforts, we've been trying to do that ever since, to really try to do that. And that kind of leads to the second principle that I see in scripture, and that is the principle of honor. I mean, we talked a moment ago about God probably not calling any of us, uh, most of us, let's say, to give everything away. That's probably, there's, there's a few that do, but for most of us, he's gonna bless us and allow us to steward some things. And I think this is where the principle of honor comes in. So the question is not, what do I have? The question is, what do I, how do I honor God with what I have? If God's called me to be a steward and be responsible, and he's given me this stuff, it may be a home, a car, stuff, who knows what it is, but am I honoring the Lord with that? And that really becomes my driver. Uh, the driver of my life and ambition is not only to give him my first and my best, but it's also really secondly to honor him with everything that he's given me. And so I remember a few years ago hearing Andy Stanley preach on this topic, and it was so cool. He talked about there's really only five things you can do with your money. Uh, number one, you can uh, spend your money. Two, you can pay down debt. Three, you can pay taxes. Four, you can save your money. And five, you can give your money. And when you start to think about those five things, he said, you know, most Americans kind of live by that priority structure. Number one, they spend their money. Well, that's about me. Number two, they pay down debt. Well, that's still me, even though I made the decision a while ago. Three, uh, they can pay taxes. Well, that's about we. We all have to pay taxes, right? Four, he said, you can save your money, but that's really about me as well. Even though saving is such a good thing, it's still about future me or things I want in my future, so I'm going to save my money. And finally, five, I give my money, and that's about God and it's about others. And he talked about just flipping the script in that, and I think that's really what the principle of honor means. It just simply means flip the script. Is it my house? Eh, yeah, but it's also God's house because God blessed me with a job to be able to buy this house. Is that God's car now? Yeah, it is God's car actually. And so what am I gonna do to honor him with what he has blessed me with? So I think those two principles are really, really helpful when it comes to understanding what building a culture of generosity means. That's so helpful. And even listening to you speak, John, it's, I feel just so freeing to get uh, the yeah. right type of mindset toward money and generosity and how to steward finance as well. And I'm even sure, you know, for some of our listeners, um, it's rewiring some of the way they, they may be viewing their finances right now. Um, and That's so right. even, you know, uh, talking more about uh, leadership and finances, just from your experience um, as a, a strategist and consultant in this area, what are some of the roadblocks to developing a culture of generosity um, that you've seen leaders have? And, and how would you suggest they would start to overcome those challenges and roadblocks? Yeah, excellent question again. And it's almost like, you know, what biblical principles, you know, make up a culture of generosity? There's a, there's a lot of them. We talked about two. I, say, I think the same thing is true with the roadblocks. I think there's a lot of roadblocks. But here's one thing I've come to discover is that generous churches are usually led by generous leaders. Uh, I'm sure there's an exception to the rule. I just haven't seen it yet. We talk about this as a team at Generis all the time, that generous churches usually are led by generous leaders. Again, there may be an exception. I just haven't seen it. 
at the end of the day, I think that the leader sets the pace, the leader sets the temperature within your organization, so that the organization is gonna follow suit. So quick, quick story, I'm working with a church right now. Uh, the pastor made a very generous commitment to the giving initiative that I was leading them through, $50,000 commitment. This is in the middle of COVID, by the way, wow, yeah. uh, you know, which I thought was incredibly generous. And then when he got ready to sign his card, God prompted him to give another 15000 That's a total of sixty-five. This is This is last year in the middle of COVID we were doing this. And the reason was he, he did this campaign, this giving initiative in COVID was not because he was crazy. He was just building his building. He didn't have any choice. He's like, John, you got to part with me. We've got to get this thing going because the building's going up. What was interesting, I just had lunch with him recently, and he told me, he said, I cannot tell anybody this, but he said, I made that commitment. He said, I do some work on the side. He's got a contractor's background. He said, John, it was like the heavens opened over my commitment. He said, I gave the entire 65 up front because God blessed him with over $200,000 of side business. He said, and I work 50 hours a week at the church. I don't, I don't skirt on the church. And God blessed him like that. And so it just proves that principle that generous churches are usually led by generous leaders. And I was so impressed by this guy's faith. I was so impressed with his heart of generosity of how he would step out. So just a couple of things kind of come to my mind that I think are roadblocks. Number one is repetition and redundancy are actually a pastor's friend. Repetition and redundancy are a pastor's friend. And, and, here, and here's what I mean is that when I start talking to a, a pastor about how much they have the money conversation, when did you preach on it last? How do you talk about it in a membership class? How do you, how do you work with people when it comes to money? Every once in a while, I'll come upon somebody that says, yeah, you know what, uh, about a year ago, we did a series on money, and then the executive pastor will interrupt and go, actually, that was four years ago we did that series on, uh, on giving. And, and the point is, is that because we said at one time, because we have it on some kind of list in the back of a membership manual, we think that people get it. And the fact is they don't. It's like most things in life. I don't get it right away. You probably don't get things right away. But repetition and redundancy are actually my friends. So th this is what it would mean for a pastor. Uh, Chad Moore, he's a pastor of a very large church, very uh, fast-growing church out in Phoenix, Arizona called Sun Valley. And Chad has a little mantra that they say every time they have a giving moment. So when they get up to receive an offering uh, in any kind of environment that they are doing that at their church, they say this phrase. They say, number one, we give first, we save second, and we live on the rest. Give first, save second, live on the rest. I think that's a great mantra. But then he teaches on it a little bit. He'll say, we give because we want to honor God. We give our first and our best because we want to honor God first. Secondly, we save because we want to build wealth. We want to build uh, our lives so we can enjoy life. We want to build, make sure we have enough in retirement so we, we save so we can build wealth. And then thirdly, we live on the rest and that teaches contentment. I love those three points. And what he's doing there is he's using repetition and redundancy over and over and over again to teach a very simple principle about giving and living when it comes to the money conversation and people are thriving. They get it. They, you said people in the parking lot can just say it. Give first, save second, live on the rest. You know, they understand the principle because it's just repeated and it's done in a redundant fashion over and over again. The second roadblock I probably would say is that a lot of pastors are just like me. 
they didn't have the training. Just like I told that story at the beginning about in 1985, being a college graduate, trying to raise money and having no training. I think there's a lot of pastors in that same boat. In fact, I went to seminary and that one time in any seminary class, they tell me about how to raise money, how to do a capital campaign, how to manage money. I mean, I learned, you know, all kinds of different facts about what the liberals think about the Sermon on the Mount or what the Greek word in this means or that kind of thing. But I really didn't learn the business side of church. And so what I would say to remove that roadblock is just get some coaching. Coaching has helped me so much when it came to finances, generosity, preaching, leadership, how to structure my church, how to build a board. Great coaching really changed my life. And I think great coaching can change a lot of leaders' lives that are listening to this right now. And in fact, at Generis, when we do engage with a client and we engage with a church, we build right in this entire idea of teaching and coaching and how to build a culture of generosity. So even though we may be doing a campaign or a giving initiative, we are coaching these leaders right from the beginning. This is how you can really think differently about the money conversation in your church. Thank you so much for sharing, John. And it sounds like such a great investment to um, get coaching in this area because, you know, just like you're sharing, I went through ministry school. I never had a single class on fundraising and um, wow. how to manage, you know, um, finances for ministry, you know, over a three year, a three year period. Yeah. So I just so see the benefit of um, you know, hiring a coach like you or somebody from Generis. And so um, thank you so much for what you're doing to oh. be part of even expanding the kingdom of God and helping leaders fulfill their calling. Well, I appreciate that, Mario. And I think that your experience, it sounds like it's just like my experience. And I'm a, I, my, my concern is that it's rampant across the board. And, you know, guys, use, guys never sign up or ladies never sign up to raise money for ministry. You know, they sign up to do ministry, right? They want to be in the game. They want to be doing ministry. And so I think our experiences are, are a lot more common than we would uh, like to like to believe sometimes. Yes. And even just the information you're sharing today, just unraveling some of the, the mindsets around finances and how to approach them from a biblical perspective is so freeing. Um, for, for those who are in ministry who have never, who never had a solid foundation for how to approach this area. Um, yeah. So how can our listeners, you know, connect with you and what, and what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I have a blog uh, that we send out e uh, weekly uh, and uh, also a monthly podcast and generosityinsights.com. I'm sure that'll be in the show notes and they can connect me there. Also at Generis, uh, the Generis team page. Uh, my email is there, my email, and also the ability to connect with me is on my blog site at generosityinsights.com. And yes, I would love, what, what basically we offer is just a free 30-minute you know, consult, uh, no obligation, no pressure, no salesy deal. It's just, hey, let's talk a little bit about your church. Let's talk a little bit about where you're going in the future. Share your dream with me, and let me offer a few insights that may help you along the way to be able to get where you want to go. Again, my, my passion, I guess maybe I would say it like Simon Sinek, my why, the very thing that drives me is really to partner with leaders just to help them see their vision fully funded because I believe their vision's that important. They believe it's important. God believes it's important. So I think that thing needs to be fully funded. 
I agree with you. And so we will definitely put your information um, in the show notes and let people know how they can, you know, easily connect with you. Um, so John, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today and I actually have one uh, final question. Sure. You know, just for our listeners, based on everything that we've talked about today concerning, you know, creating a culture of generosity, do you have any final thoughts um, or pieces of wisdom that you'd like to leave with us? Yeah, I would. You know, uh, you've been so gracious, Mario, on this whole podcast. And again, I I have such a respect for Star Church and what you guys are doing. I I love that. I had a chance to connect with Nathan uh, Camp not too long ago, who leads your organization up. And so I have such a respect for organizations like start church that are doing these kinds of things. And I guess my, my parting wisdom would be that, you know, most of us as leaders, we don't know what we don't know. I know I get paid to say profound statements like that, but we don't know what we don't know. And the only way that we really learn to kind of break through these barriers is to get some mentorship and some coaching to be able to get us through, you know, wherever it's, if it's a physical, it's a mental, it's a spiritual, it's a financial issue. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, some great mentorship and coaching will help push us through. And my, my, gut, my gut tells me, and this is completely anecdotal, but there are leaders right now that could be pressing through certain financial uh, uh, barriers that they feel like are around their church. For example, I have leaders every once in a while tell me, yeah, my people just won't do whatever, fill in the blank. They won't give or they won't serve or whatever. I don't know if that's a people problem. I think a lot of times it's a coaching problem to help you push through some of those barriers. And so that's what I would encourage folks to do. Listen, life was never designed to do it on our own. It was always designed to do it in a tribe. And so hopefully folks like Start Church, folks like Generis and others that provide coaching can really help these leaders excel and break through those barriers. Yes, absolutely. John, once again, thank you so much for sharing all of your advice and your wisdom with us today. And we're so grateful that you could join us on the podcast. Yeah, it was my, my, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Mario. As always, thank you for listening to Beyond the Call. And we look forward to you joining us again for our next episode. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.